you know, data governance is very hard to measure. Unless something goes wrong, to be honest, and you're, you know, got a fine or something, it's very difficult to measure. But if you have that understanding in smaller chunks, you can then execute and provide value much faster. Welcome to the Insurance Innovators Unscripted, the show dedicated to innovation in the insurance industry. Each episode, you'll get a dose of thought leadership from the industry's top business minds, influencers, innovators, and executive leaders. If you want to transform your corner of the industry and exchange innovative ideas, you need to subscribe to this podcast. Now here's your host, Abel Travis. Hey everyone, welcome to the Insurance Innovators Unscripted podcast dedicated to the discussion of insurance innovation. So today I'm speaking with Leandro Dalmule, the general manager for North America for Plank, a company focused on empowering insurers with instant and accurate data. Leandro, it is great to have you here on the podcast. And, uh, you know, I'm really um, looking forward to talking about what you all are doing at Plank. Welcome. Thank you very much, Abel. The pleasure is all mine. Uh, you know, I'm not familiar with, uh, not just familiar with, uh, of course, with your podcast, but, uh, you know, I love to talk about insurance. Absolutely. Hey, I, I think we're going to be... Um, on the on the same page here because I love talking about you know what's happening with insurance innovation and um, you know when when I look at what you've been doing just historically right you know you've worked for companies like City and um, you've worked for BlackRock and more recently you were with AF, uh, AIG as their chief data officer um so you know I, I guess I I like to learn a little bit more before we get into the discussion about Plank and and the value proposition there but you know just to learn more about you so we can really set the stage for for what you're doing today. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I'll go back. I'm not going to go back that, those many years uh, that you mentioned. We can go even farther back. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm old, right? So uh, I'll, stick to, I'll stick to the most interesting part, which is probably the, the AIG um, piece while, you know, before I moved to Plank. Uh, and again, you already gave Plank a, a nice intro. We'll talk more about it later. Um, but we're doing some real cool stuff. And this is the reason I left AIG. Um, so... Um, I stayed there for about six years. Um, I've done a ton of insurance work uh, before that for Deloitte, um, you know, with the, on a on a consulting uh, basis. And um, AIG is a great it's a great company. Everybody knows AIG. Um, it's still gigantic, uh, even after, of course, uh, everything that happened, you know, back in two thousand nine, two thousand ten. You know, and uh, from a data perspective, I started there as the chief data officer for. The property and casualty business. So there was no data management function prior to, to 2012, and I joined in 2013. Um, so it was a, a brand new function. We were building that function. Of course, the PNC business for AIG is as big as the, the other half, which is the life and retirement business. Uh, so it was a big challenge right, to build a team, to, um, to implement governance, to implement data standards, improve data quality, and be able to deliver it to the business. Um, that was pretty much how I spent the first uh, two years there. And then um, I got the opportunity to be the chief data officer for the whole company, which was even more challenging and more interesting. Um, uh, of course, uh, that included not just the business units, uh, but also the functions. So we're talking about HR data, uh, finance data, um, um, you know, in addition to you know, the usual suspects like the policy admin, you know, information from the systems and, and claims data, etc. So uh, AIG restructured itself uh, uh, a number of times during the last uh, six years uh, with new leadership, um, three times actually, um, and uh, and more you know recently up until three months ago in November, um, 
I was the, uh, the CDO and head of information management. And there's a reason we, we, we sort of changed the name, and I'll get there in a, in a second, um, uh, for the general insurance business, which is, again, PNC and, uh, and in, for commercial and including, you know, for personal lines. So, and the, the, the interesting part is I was there from the beginning, right, when the, there was just a handful of people, um, a lot happened. We grew tremendously uh, as a function um, up until when I took over as CDO for the whole company. Um, the entire team, uh, including sort of contractors and full-time uh, employee, was over 1,100 people. That's a lot of people, even for AIG, right? But um, the, the reality is we learned a lot being one of the first ones doing that and doing data science, not just data management, but also data science um, in the industry and overall. And uh, we were able to optimize it greatly. Um, and, and, and so much so that, you know, a few years later, we start to, to call the, the job not just a data chief data officer, but also head of information management because it became much more um, important how we're going to deliver the data rather than just, uh, um, you know, organizing the systems around it and, and more of the, the technical aspects of data management. So it was a great, uh, it was a great journey. You know, I, I could I could really imagine how great of a journey that is, right? And uh, and when I look at the journey that you had, especially in your most recent role at AIG, it really set you up nicely, especially around the value proposition of what Plank is trying to achieve in this space. So, Landro, you know, talk to me a little bit about you know what Plank is, what you're solving, and and how that's interplaying with uh, the the insurance industry in general. Oh yeah, my pleasure. Um... So again, fast, you know, or, or not fast forward, but all the six years I spent in AIG, um, they're not easy, right? As a data guy in a company like that, that was actually, that grew through several acquisitions over, well, 100 years this year. Um, uh, it, it's, it's very challenging. Um, and as I said, it's a lifetime employment there. Now, um, Plank, I knew the founders. Um, you know, we were always constantly, you know, just talking and debating uh, about insurance. And um, in one of those conversations, um, they actually explained to me what they were solving for. And what Plank solves for is, I think, and again, I say this if I put my AIG hat back on, is probably the most important, you know, issue that we have in the, in the industry. I'm going to go out there and and throw it, uh, it's very risky, but I think it is the biggest re- issue, which is data, right? the quality of the data, the, the completeness of that data, the data that is used for underwriting, and that is going to affect pricing, that is going to affect the risk that companies take, and ultimately, you know, affect how claims are handled. So um, what Plank does, it's really to, it en- enables carriers to, um, have the latest and greatest data about their risks, about their customers, right, the, their insureds, and uh, in real time. And uh, this is what caught my eye. And again, I believe so much that this is the future and this is key for the entire industry that, you know, I mean, I'm, a, I'm probably the best guy because I left my job at AIG, right, to join Plank. Um, so I'm more than fully you know, vested and committed 
to this. I believe, you know, I've seen our technology. Of course, we have clients that also confirmed the value that it generates. And it has, it is just amazing. And I think um, the company is relatively new. We've been around for uh, about three years. But the amount of value that we already created, and of course, our clients see that we can create, um, it's, it's just tremendous, right? And I'm just talking about underwriting. So um, let me just go into a little bit more detail because you know, what is that we really do? So if you think about underwriting a policy, and I'm going um, to just uh, almost repeat what uh, even Greenberg, Chubb's CEO, said in an interview to Jim Cramer at CNBC. Um, he's referring to sort of the future of insurance. And, and, and for, for large carriers, for small, medium carriers, um, the reality is the major accounts, right, the Walmarts of the world, those are, are, are very competitive, right? And there's a huge opportunity in the small, medium enterprise or small, medium business segment. This is where we focus on. Plank is solely focused on commercial lines for that segment. And what we want to achieve and Chubb wants to achieve, according to that interview um, to Jim Cramer, is instead of asking the business owner or the agent right, to fill out 150 questions, um, as, you know, assuming that the audience is very familiar with insurance, of course, you know, in, a, in an accord form right, um, for, for, uh, for BOP or for workers' comp, you have over 100 questions. So two problems with that. It's very, very time-consuming, and that means money. Um, plus, it's very difficult right, for an agent or a business owner to fill out that, indirect or direct business. And then third, what happens on the carrier side, and again, I'll put my AIG hat back on, um, we never got complete data. And even the data that we got, uh, the quality was uh, 50-50. Right? So you have that to deal with. Now you need to understand the risks. You need to price the risks accordingly. You need to reserve for those risks. And that becomes very challenging. So what Plank does is we'll go out there. Right? We use our web crawlers and to go over a thousand sources. So while you know, typically an underwriter can go to one, two sources to verify the accuracy validity of certain data that was given in, a, in, a, in an application, we'll go to a thousand, right? Um, we'll collect anything, pictures, videos, um, uh, unstructured text from a customer review, uh, HTML pages, you name it. Bring it in, apply artificial intelligence to extract the insights, right? The underwriting insights, the risk insights about that business. Um, and then answer it and deliver it very uh, um, uh, efficiently through our API, right? So it allows us to connect to whatever systems the carriers have, to be honest. And what that does is it's not only, if you think about it, reduce the costs of the whole underwriting process, but also uh, improves dramatically the quality of the data, right? And the best part is we do this all in like seven seconds. Uh, which, you know, it, it is even five seconds uh, on average. Seven seconds is 90 plus percent of the time, right? So it, it's amazing, I think, uh, you know, how far we've come from
from a technology perspective to be able to do that, right? Go to a thousand sources, extract everything, you know, read what is, what is in a picture. If it's a selfie taken at a bar, right? We'll find pool tables. We'll find exit signs. We'll find sprinklers. We'll find even the, you know, if the light is too bright or not, if the place is too dark. Um, and, and we'll match that with other sources of data and provide it all in like seven seconds automatically. So it's just like nirvana. For a, for a, for a former chief data officer, it's, it's nirvana. This is why I said, okay, I got, I got to join these guys, right? Uh, this is truly the future. No, absolutely. And I got to I agree that, um, you know, leveraging third party data to create a, a frictionless underwriting processes, it really is where the future of the industry is going. Now, I, I got to tell you just a couple of things. Right. So, you know, I, I remember, um, you know, when myself and my team for an organization that I, I worked with, we built a life sciences product. Um, and as a part of building that life sciences and deploying that life sciences product, we created a supplemental application that was. I am um, just under 30 pages long of data and information that we needed to collect to underwrite that product. Now, even with that said, right, the underwriters would only actually leverage certain components of the data that was that was collected as a part of the underwriting process because the rest of it was just nice to have. Right. You know, it's not wasn't even necessary to underwrite the entire policy, meaning that, you know, in some instances, this policyholder could have spent upwards of a month collecting data with their agents to send to the carrier to send to us in order for us to underwrite that that policy. You know, so um, I, I mean, I, I think that um, that's it, it's phenomenal for you all to have the ability to do that. Now, with that said, you know, I, I guess um, I, I want to dig a little bit deeper because, you know, myself, um, I've been doing a lot of deep digging into um, other types of organizations that's doing something really similar to what you're doing. And I'm not going to not going to mention the names. I think they're, they're the typical names. But what we find is that those organizations uh, can extract the Accord data very well. Right. Um, but when you start to dig into supplemental questions, you know, so if, if you're if you're looking at supplemental questions for an industry over 100 carriers, you're going to have. 10,000 different questions that those carriers are trying to answer. So when you start to dig deeper into those supplemental questions, it starts to break down. So, you know, I, I guess my, my question is for Plank, how are you all getting over that quality issue um, based on the types of questions that carriers are looking for to underwrite those policies? Um, I'm going to answer that with, a, with an example. Um, first is, I think, what different, one of the things that differentiate Plank is, um, I guess, as I said at the beginning, we focused on commercial lines, small, medium, you know, segment. So we go very deep to your point about insights. I would call it right there. You know, answering those questions um, beyond the supplemental, um, you know, application forms. And I'll give you an example. Um, right, uh, we we first talked talked about sort of data prefill and some of the the players that you mentioned there um, will have that capability. And so do we. But I think, to your point, um, how about going beyond that, right? And uh, one good example that I think uh, is really cool that the team did um, is uh, we were asked by one of our clients if we could answer um, some of those supplemental questions um, for nightclubs. And uh, I mean, again, I'm uh, relatively old, so I've been out of the nightclub uh, uh, you know, market for quite some time. Um, but apparently, um, you know, they wanted just uh, us to answer automatically that the area of the dance floor 
and the type of music. Two, you know, um, you would think that's relatively obvious questions to ask, right? Typical underwriting questions. So we, we configured the platform, and this is, I think, another thing that differentiates us, is the ability to configure the platform to risk insights, whatever, right? Um, of course, given the limitations of, uh, you know, the, if the data exists or not. But this is example is interesting because um, we did it, right? We were able to provide very, very quickly in a matter of a couple of seconds, um, those two answers, right? So we get the area size of the dance floor and the type of music automatically pre-filled, great. And that it was interesting. That was for me as a, even a former chief, uh, um, you know, science officer. Um, the underwriter uh, came to us and said, "Okay, now that you guys can do this, what I really like to know, it's not part of any form. We don't even have it as a question today. But can you guys calculate the density of people dancing at a given point in time?" If you think from a risk perspective, right, this is what really matters, right? You can have a very large dance floor playing, uh, you know, uh, uh, whatever, pick one, salsa, um, and, uh, and, and, and you're going to underwrite the same risk based on what, right? Um, or you can have another one, another club, with a very small dance floor packed with people, right? Um, so the team went out there, and in a very short amount of time, um, configured the AI to find pictures. And again, I've been out of that scene for quite some time, but apparently, Mabel, um, people take a lot of selfies these days when they're dancing and record videos. And that's the beauty of it. The machine was able to, to get there. So our platform extracted all that information, brought it in, and counted how many people were. And because we have the, the time stamp as a metadata behind the pictures and the videos, um, and we're not going to, to, to any confidential information, any personal web, you know, a, a Facebook page. Yeah? These, are, these are public information that are just posted out there. Um, so we counted, and the machine was able to create for the entire New York State. We have now a distribution of the number of people and the density, right? If they're super, super packed or not, um, for every nightclub, right? We'll know, you know, in a given day, how many people are expected to be packed there dancing. And then you can imagine what the underwriter is going to do with it, right? They're going to cross that with the type of music. The, the, other answer, the other question was, is there a bouncer at the door? And we can answer that too. And we did. Um, so you start putting that picture together. You think about the potential for insurance, right? You can only just, not just price it correctly, but you can then create new product, right? Which is something that we always, we're always getting from insurers and reinsurers, right? How can we create new product by tapping into this uh, sort of new world of data and information out there? Yeah, I, uh, I, I think that's um, absolutely a game changer in relation to where some of the other data providers are, uh, you know, because uh, I think what you're doing and using your AI platform to assess, in essence, you're, you're, you're in essence assessing risk, right, in terms of what the life safety challenges are in that particular nightclub. And, and I, I'm going to um, extrapolate that you can also then begin to use that technology to extract other things like whether or not there's a, you know, a, a dance floor in a particular location based on the pictures that's 
that that's been snapped as a part of that. And now all of a sudden, you know that you might have a club or a bar instead of a, a fine dining restaurant or or, or or things like that, right? That really feed into the underwriting process. And so, so, you, so to me, I, I think that really helps you based on your platform, create a completely different view of that policyholder. So, you know, I, I guess, you know, uh, my, my, my question for you is, as you're creating that view of the policyholder, that's the external view that you're bringing into the organization to help the underwriting process can your does your platform also help carriers understand some of the internal data that they've already collected so then you can create this 360 sort of a view of a, of a policyholder and if not are you guys thinking along that lines from a long-term i guess strategic uh, perspective for how you're looking at data overall within a carrier yes a uh, great question Abel, because um, it's actually perhaps the first, very first question I thought about um, when I was, uh, you know, talking for the you know, first time that I, and second, third time I spoke with Plank because um, I still had my AIG mindset heavy. And again, as as chief data officer, um, one thing is to collect new data, right? And there are challenges with the policy admin systems. There are you know, legacy, uh, you know, systems out there. Indeed, however. Right? I do have a lot of historical information. Right? Um, the large, small, medium carriers, they have that. And the quality of that information that resides on you know, sort of their data warehouses or data lakes um, is very poor, generally speaking. Um, and that was the first thing that came to my mind because I said, okay, I'll get better data coming in, which is great. Um, but how about if I improve my data asset today, right? Because I have this asset is it, it's super valuable, right? The amount and, and the loss history. If you can correlate with loss history, oh my God! Then you know, actuarial community will be extremely happy because they will have so many more segments, you know, to create. So um, the answer to your question, the short answer is yes. Because if you think about it, the only inputs that we need, the plank needs, is a business name and address. Right. So with a business name and address, I can then enhance my current data. I'm not even talking about, to your point, about the, you know, the new data coming in, but looking at my current portfolio, enforce policies or um, even expire policies and enhance the data, not just complete the fields that, that are there today, um, incomplete for some reason, maybe because the data never came in or the data got lost in the process along the data life cycle of a policy, but also enhance it with new with new information, right? Um, so it's amazing again the opportunity to do it uh, dynamically, of course, as I, as I just described it, but also step you know more in a sort of a static manner, um, looking at data, let's say at rest, right, and then enhancing what you have. Um, so the assets for all these insurance companies from a, the data asset becomes you know, three, four, or five times more valuable to them because then the actuaries can you know, better come up with the loss reserve models. Um, uh, of course, data scientists can come up with even marketing and distribution will benefit from it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, so so I, I want to go back to um, what, what you mentioned in regards to plugging your APIs into the, the carrier platforms in order to, to create that holistic view. You know, I, I think what, what I find, um, especially with uh, carriers all across the spectrum, you know, there are some that are so forward 
ahead of other carriers when it comes to their underlying technology capabilities that I think it's easy for them to consume the APIs and to integrate, um, you know, your capabilities into theirs, um, you know, based on uh, them being on updated platforms, whereby you can go back and look at some other carriers. And I see this all the time, right, where they are uh, so far behind from an infrastructure and from a technology perspective that it, it takes a lot in a completely different layer that you have to build in in order for them to integrate into your platforms. What are you seeing? You know, how are you guys looking at supporting carriers um, in sort of this, uh, this uh, integration component when, when carriers are all across the spectrum with their digital transformations? It's, it's all about integration, too. Um, it's not just, uh, you know, providing good data and, uh, and great insights. Um, and I'm saying this coming from a place where, you know, I used to have to deal with uh, 40 year old systems, which is uh, quite interesting. Some of them were built in Assembler. And very few people know what Assembler is. Uh, I happen to know, because again, I'm, uh, uh, you know, I'm 40 plus, right? Uh, I'm going to 50. So, um, but again, how do you, do you deal with that, right? There's no drop down, you know, functionality in, in, in those systems. Um, this is why we built the platform the way we built it. Um, we were um, really focused on um, providing an easy way through an API and um, um, that, that, that can integrate with nearly every system. So far, um, we've dealt with a very sophisticated uh, system without you know, uh, any particular preference. Uh, you know, the, the usual suspects, again, uh, you know, uh, that are out there, they're more modern. I'm not going to mention any names, um, but also the old systems. And um, because we made it very um, easy to integrate, right, the data can be consumed uh, in many forms. So um, one is uh, sort of integrating with the agents portal, um, which is one of the integrations we have today. Um, the other one, and it goes the way, it goes to full spectrum. Um, the other way is uh, with a, you know, with a reinsurer and that needs to provide better data on a batch basis because they want to understand, you know, um, out of that uh, premium Bordero file that they receive every month from the primary carriers, what is exactly that I am reinsuring here uh, that I should not, right? Um, and that it doesn't require that, you know, up-to-date um, real-time feed. It does require a more, uh, you know, on a batch basis. And, and in that case, look, they ask for a spreadsheet and we can do it, right? So we've done it, the, the full spectrum, and, it, and somewhere in the middle, uh, which is another interesting use case. When we didn't integrate with the front-end system, but our client asked us to feed the data coming from our platform through the API into something that the underwriter could digest. So, you know, it's sort of a think of a dashboard, Right, um, it's a standard dashboard. We can create it; it's relatively easy. So the underwriter then can look at the dashboard and get all the answers. In that case, particularly, that use case is quite interesting because instead of streamlining the the, the data acquisition process and eliminating some underwriting questions, right? Um, in that case, the underwriter can validate the information they're getting, and again, the only inputs that they need are the business name and address. And then they will populate everything that he got from the or she got from the agent, and plus some others, right? To your point earlier about you know uh, more of the supplemental data and, and even beyond. So it's a it's a it's a 
they're different um, integration, um, I think, solutions we provided, really based on the use case and based on, of course, the, the carriers or the reinsurer um, uh, infrastructure. But we haven't seen any challenges so far, even with the older stuff. Yeah, and, and I think sort of the way that you laid it out, right, in terms of how you're working and how you're integrating with the carriers, whether it's a true integration or doing it in a different way when which you might be consuming a border road to, to help them assess that data, you know, I, I think that that allows you to work with organizations irrespective of where they are at as a part of their digital transformation process. So, I mean, I think that that's uh, something that other insure techs just across the value to change should be thinking about is, you know, how to engage with carriers, you know, um, irrespective of, of where they are as a part of their evolution. Now, now I, I want to um, I want to talk a little bit a little bit more just quickly about the data before I, I pivot a little bit. And and, you know, I, I keep hearing this thing right? and it's not just an insurance. It's in fintech. It's in biotech. Right. What I'm hearing a lot of is that data is now the new oil. So 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 think about that. Right. And and you being a data person, I'm pretty sure you probably heard that quite often as well. Right. You know, so I mean, I, I think about that. And in my mind, I start to make the correlations between, well, well, is data truly the new oil? And and I can see where, where they're coming from. Now, with that said, I look at those carriers that are leveraging data and technology to the fullest extent. Um, you know, as as carriers that may really be on the competitive edge versus those that are still, um, you know, early in the stage or not leveraging at all. You know, so, Leandra, from your perspective, you know, do you see data as being, uh, quote unquote, the new oil? And, and, and from your perspective, what, what do you think about the carriers um, or, or, or how do you think about the competitive edge of the carriers that are not using data and technology as a part of their transformation? Um, it's a very good question. I, I, it's funny because I do see it as oil. My first job for seven years out of college was for ExxonMobil. Um, so it's funny because you know, fast forward a few years later, I'm working with data, and now data is the new oil. So I you're, guess you're still in the oil industry. I've been working in the oil industry forever. <laughs> I guess uh, you know, the last 25 years uh, was the only thing I've done. I've heard that too, and actually, I like the analogy very, very much. Um, there is a big difference. Right? Um, oil is a commodity, right? You can get it and you sell it, and that's easy. I think, again, it goes back to the problem about data quality, the infrastructure that you mentioned, lack of investments, the sort of the, 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 the technology debt that uh, the insurance industry, um, especially in the US, um, less so in other countries, in, in other countries, especially in Europe. Um, but in the US, um, with all the cycles and everything that has happened, um, we're behind, right? That's, that's reality. Um, however, right, um, if you think about it, then I always said it, especially as a chief data officer, this is our asset, right? Um, access to capital, and capital used to be the key for insurance companies, right? You know, if you had a lot of capital, you had a lot of capacity, and uh, you could write more business. Right? You could take on risks that um, others wouldn't, and you would make money. Um, not anymore. Capital is flowing everywhere. Um, so that is not a competitive advantage anymore. And this is why you see a lot of the reinsurers moving to uh, creating pri pricing platforms, right? Creating, trying to create new products, etc. Because, again, people can get capital now. Companies can get capital. So data becomes the most important asset. Now, um, you need to, when you're digging for it, and again, the analogy works, right? Because sometimes you do have to dig. 
um, deep to extract that data in, out of those systems. Um, and uh, it, it's, it's, it's costly. It involves um, a multi-year effort that, unfortunately, uh, that's my experience, um, uh, not a lot of uh, companies and the management within those companies have patience for. Right? You, have, um, you have a ton of pressure coming from Wall Street to deliver results on a quarterly basis. And uh, again, a data project in those big carriers, even if it's medium, sometimes, you know, with a small carrier, um, who is also, you know, uh, behind, uh, is, is, a, is a multi-year project. And, um, and, and you're not going to get um, very clear returns on your investment. Uh, just you have to live with it. Um, you know, needless to say, it's very difficult to measure. If you measure, people are going to question it. So you got to believe in a, te- in, a, in a digital transformation, and this is the future. You have some companies, of course, in their, um, in their C sort of level executives who truly believe that and see that. Um, you know, it doesn't happen everywhere, um, and, but you see that movement. I've seen that movement. Uh, again, I've been in the industry for quite some time. Um, so it, it is the new oil, going back to your question and analogy. I think it is. Um, it's just not as easy to trade that new oil, um, you know, the data as, as it is, uh, you know, in the case of just petroleum, because you just get, you know, dig a hole in the, in the ground, you pull some data, you pull some oil, not some data, uh, you pull some oil and, and you sell it, right? And, and this is the big challenge. Uh, I was talking to, which is another thing, it brings me to um, a conversation I was having with Bill um, Pironi from, you know, Accord CEO. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, and and he mentioned something very interesting to me. Um, he said that even though insurance is one of the largest industries in the world, um, it's, it's still very hard to 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 attract top talent um, from analytics. And and you have um, a lot of people. I think the average age. I don't know the statistics, but I'm not going to be surprised if the average age of the your your usual insurance employee is uh you know is in the late 30s um so attracting this new talent is is a challenge and why is that right i mean we have a very interesting problem to solve if you think about it i mean just the 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 nightclub example right there are so many cool things that you know the, the 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 kids coming out of college can work on, especially on the from a quantitative background. Um, why is that, right? And it's such a large industry. So I think I think we need to do a better job as an industry to attract talents to explain, you know, how cool it can be to work in insurance. It's not what it used to be. Now to do that, we cannot just try to apply sort of. You know, digital, I'm going to quote here in, on air, I'm quoting digital capabilities to a 30, 40 year process, which is what we do very well, right? We keep the process exactly the same and we're just going to apply some digital, you know, I'm going to create a website and I'm going to, and an app for it. Behind closed doors, it's still the same process, right? It's the same forms, it's the same questions, you know, it goes through back and forth. It, so this is not the solution. And I've seen a lot of that too. 
right? Um, you have to really transform the whole thing. But you need to understand as well that, um, and you have some, you know, newcomers in insurance, you know, market, um, they're going through some tough times, right? And they will. It's part of the, part of the business. They're going to have huge losses. It doesn't mean they're going to be unsuccessful, right? It means that it's, it's just part of it. You need to be um, uh, ready for, the, for a rough ride until you build enough, you know, volume uh, and history, right, to be able to deliver the results. So, so it's a process. I, I see that happening finally. Uh, in insurance, I mean, you look at the insure tech, um, you know, community everywhere, um, you know, and, and the interest is growing. So hopefully, you know, uh, we're going to have a, a more, um, uh, I was going to say, fresh workforce coming in insurance, which will have help drive the, the whole change. Yeah, you know, I, I, I would agree. I think we're, we're definitely going to have a fresh workforce. You know, there's something like I think the last number that was quoted, you know, 500,000 retirements are going to happen outside within the insurance industry. And it's going to change the dynamic of what we're going to see, I think. And, and that that timing was by 2022. Right. So so at that point, you're going to start to get people that are coming in that's going to be looking at this more freshly. Um, that that you know are are also um, getting their experiences and their expectations are being shaped by what they've been engaged in and what they've been exposed to on a day to day basis. You know, I, I go back to um, my history, and um, and I used to uh, you know um, in in organizations. I'm not going to again mention the organizations, but that I worked in. You know, we would deploy multi million, tens of millions of dollars in project side, even size, even some other organizations, hundreds of millions of dollars is what we would spend on these projects, right? And um, what what I always remember was, you know, we would build out the capability, build out the distribution, build out the way to deploy it, and then construct the policy within the platform. But then as soon as it got to appropriately collecting um, the, the components of the data in order to understand what we're doing at a more granular level that can even help us to transform our business, we always wound up scrimping on that. And that was across multiple companies that I worked in. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to understand, you know, why others uh, may not see data as such a valuable asset for their growth. And then I, my question for you is, how can we get other organizations, especially incumbent carriers, to look at data as a valuable asset that's going to help them meet their long-term growth objectives and targets? Uh, that's a tough question. Um, but I spent the last six years, um, nearly six years, uh, trying to do just that, right? As a chief data officer, um, I think, um, and, and I'll tell you, um, you know, uh, things that I, I faced uh, the more frequently. First is that multi-year appetite. I think there, there, it has to, to be a sort of a, a, a meat of minds because um, in my, and we started, we made many mistakes, right? And, I, and we did it while we we're building sort of the data function, um, broadly speaking, uh, at AIG. Um, I'll, I'll take full responsibility for it. Um, so, and one of the mistakes I think was at the very beginning, we were trying, uh, we were going for the big bang approach. Um, right? And the big bang never works, really. It, it's sort of a build and they will come. So I'm going to spend $100 million here. And um, so leave me alone for, for one year or maybe longer. Uh, I'm going to build this and everybody's going to have access to the better data. And we're all going to be happy. Uh, well, reality is, 
it doesn't work like that, right? Because the moment you approve the project, maybe a week later, somebody is going to ask you, so um, how's it going? How much I'm getting for it again? Right? And um, so you need to be smarter. So I think what we've done, um, again, at AIG, which was very successful, was um, we forgot the big bang approach, right? We said, okay, um, first, there has to be commitment from the top. Um, and that data is really important. And that's the future. That's the most important thing, to be honest, right? Um, once we got that, we said, okay, now how can we deliver? And it is really breaking it into smaller chunks. Because again, the task is, especially for the big carriers, is just gigantic. Um, and you have to break it. You have to then work with the business. This is not a data project. This is not IT by no means, right? And even I um, used to say to the business, uh, to my business partners, I said, look, as a CDO, I'm the custodian of the data. I'll help you get access to it. I'll pull it together. We improve quality. We'll deliver. But the data is owned by the business. So that was very key. And it's not an easy thing to do. Um, right? But once you pass that hurdle, what happens is you then create smaller use cases that are actually measurable. Some of them, not all of them. Some of the, so, you know, data governance is very hard to measure. Unless something goes wrong, to be honest, and you're, you know, get a fine or something, it's very difficult to measure. But if you have that understanding in smaller chunks, you can then execute and provide value much faster. And then you, you, it, it, you get into this virtuous cycle where you first got some early adopters and business from a business perspective again, right? Who are willing to own the data and drive it. And the data team, the IT team, you know, the science team, they support that. And everybody's going to the same direction. You get the early adopters, you get some results. Others will look at it and say, I want some of that. Um, and that's how you build it. So we build it, and uh, it, you know, it's really a gradual process, driven by strategy, the business strategy, right? The business priorities, uh, and without the need for the hundred plus two hundred billion dollar budget. Um, so you know, over it takes longer, but you're constantly delivering value, and and you're building as you go. And uh, again, this was all our approach. Yeah, and and I got to tell you, I I, uh, I agree with you wholeheartedly there. You know, um, uh, in in relation to the business owning the data, and, and I think that's where this concept of having a data steward within the business, within other element, uh, areas across the enterprise, becomes really important. Because in in essence, when you look at the the technology organization, when you look at the data strategy organization, they're supporting the needs of the business, and if the business doesn't see the value in it, that's when it starts to break down, and then you start to see things that I ran into where Instead of investing in data, we begin to scrimp on that as, as a part of our, you know, long-term implementation of some of the newer projects that, that we were working on. So I, I got to say, I 100% agree on that, you know. Um, so, hey, you know, Leandro, you know, as, as I think about what you all are doing with, with Plank, you know, I, I, I absolutely uh, believe that. Um, you know, you all are thinking beyond the status quo. And I like to ask this question of people that, you know, I speak to so the listeners can really, you know, uh, be able to, to make this tangible and take this back to their organization.
organization. So, you know, if, if you had to give uh, listeners a piece of advice for them, to, for them to think like you beyond the status quo to help to transform and innovate their organizations, what advice would you give them? Oh, that's a that's a curveball. Uh, you did tell me. You warned me about it, right? Um, I did. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll tell you sort of a, what comes to mind. I think um, if I look at my own career, again, I've always worked in companies that have you know thousands, hundreds of thousands of uh, of people who were established for you know hundred years plus. Um, yeah, I think um, we're all at a point now. But I always love innovation, right? I always love data. I always love analytics and, and technology. Um, I think we're at a point where you need to you need to embrace it. Um, and I and I say this uh, again, you know, leaving AIG, joining Plank, you know, um, uh, you need to embrace this new world. And it is very challenging, uh, and it is scary, and uh, you know. It, it, but it, it, the, the reality is, once you do it, uh, you then start thinking about all the opportunities that are just out there, right? But because you're sometimes, you know, um, uh, sort of trapped inside, you know, what you're you're, you're normally doing, you don't just don't see it. Um, and it, it's regardless of age, by the way, because I did say about you know having a fresh worker, you know, uh, workforce. Uh, you know, one of the guys who used to work for me. Um, he was uh, with the company for 37 years, right? And yet he was one of the most innovative, you know, persons I've ever worked with. So it is really about a mindset and, and trying to, um, it sounds obvious, the think outside the box thing, I hate that. But, um, you know, it's really embracing the change, right? Embracing that, you know, the technology, the data, the world is it's very different. I know everybody says that, um, but... But it's very interesting once you actually embrace it, and 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 I went full, uh, you know, on 100, percent right? Um, the amount of uh, of the opportunities out there, and it, it's just amazing. You know, every day, to be honest with you, every day uh, I get uh, involved in something very interesting. You know, and it's because of Plank, and it's because of insurance. You know, and it's because of where the market is going. Yeah, um, you know, I, I agree with that. The, the advice, and I got to say, you know, uh, this industry is, it's very exciting. You know, there's so much transformation that we're seeing play out in front of our eyes as we speak. And um, and I, and I um, I'm wholeheartedly of the thought that carriers need to uh, to get on board um, and um, engage some of the transformative organizations like Plank and some of the other insure techs to, to help them along the way, both carriers, agencies, and others in this space. So, hey, Leandro, um, I, I want to say thank you. This was such a great conversation, and hopefully those that are listening are you know, fired up after this conversation to, to really you know, uh, work to, to transform what they're doing in their organizations and to, to better leverage data and technology. You know, if there are folks out there that wanted to learn more about what's happening with Plank or to get in contact with you. What's the best way for them to do that? Um, just go to our website, you know, blankdata.com. Very easy. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, Leandro, you know, once again, I want to say thank you. I truly appreciate having Same a chance here, to Abel. talk to you on the podcast. It was a pleasure. And, uh, looking forward to, to following Plank in the future. You betcha. Thank you very much, Abel. 
Hey everyone, you know, I love sharing conversations like this with Leandro from Plank because I know that you all out there that are listening is going to get so much from this and transform and innovate the spaces that you're in. So if you don't mind, you know, if you got value, share this with your colleagues and your coworkers. And, um, you know, have them listen to the podcast, hit that subscribe button, and I truly do appreciate it. And, and that'll help us to become a better industry. So thanks, and I'll see you next week.